Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Archivist Best of Sexy Witches, a podcast from the Geek Girl perspective. I am the head huntress for tonight. Please call me Jane. Just Jane. And uh, let me introduce my sexy witches. We have a great show tonight. I can't wait. So let's go right into it. My first sexy witch is located in Eugene, Oregon, an aspiring filmmaker and published writer. Kurt Gehrig is writing for Living Dead Magazine. She is also a horror film fan and a regular participant in live action role plays. Look for her wolfy attitude and personal writings on our blogs and YouTube channel. Please welcome to our show our sexy werewitch co-host, Queenie Todd. Woo! How are you doing, girly? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm feeling fabulous. So much better than I was last week. You sound like it. Yeah, well, it's about the blob, and the blob always makes me happy. <laughs> so I'm going to bring right on in my next sexy witch here. We're going right in it for gold tonight. Uh, my new sexy witch, because this is her second show, ladies and gentlemen, resides in Clifton Forge, Virginia. She's a regular on the East Coast Horror Con circuit and often my partner in crime. She's a horror movie fan and a soap a professed super fan of Marvel Universe and film and in comics, please welcome to the show my new sexy witch co-host, Erin Showalter-Armantrout. Oh my gosh, we've got to shorten that name down, I swear. <laughs> well, you can pick your, you know what, you know what's great about podcasting is that you can pick whatever damn name you please. So I am the head hauntress. Queenie, Queenie is Queenie Todd. And believe it or not, Queenie is her real name, but she is Queenie Todd online. And you can choose whatever you want, girl. Oh, for heaven's I sake. I think just dub, dub me. Name me. We'll, we'll talk about that later. So <laughs> right now I'll just call you my 
sexy wish co-host. So, uh, so first things first, I already know, Aaron, how our 4th of July went because we spent it together. So we don't have to talk about that right now. So I want to go over to Queenie and say, hey, uh-huh. Queenie, how was your 4th of July weekend? It was pretty nice. I spent it with my husband and his aunt and his uncle, and we had delicious food and hung out and they talked politics and my ears fell off. It was great. <laughs> well, it has been a very political 4th of July. That's for darn sure. Yes, yeah, yes, I, yes. I kind of had that today with a, a long political discussion on somebody's thread, so that was fun. <laughs> a lot of things I was being really, really good. Um, you know, I, I try to always keep my political stuff from a historical perspective, but I did make some mentions about um, certain celebrities that were busted with dissertations today, but not, you know, but we won't go into that because this is not that kind of show and I don't want to talk about that. So, but uh, I've been very good. So I'd rather talk about our subjects tonight, which is the blob and Blobfest. And at 920, we will hear from, and I hope I say his name right, because he has this little marker on his Facebook page saying, ask me to pronounce my name properly. Okay, I did, and he never wrote me back. So uh, on that no, on other things he has. Uh, so I think it's Chris Garofalo. He is an artist from Quilt Space Studios, and he's a resident artist for the Colonial Theater, where the Blockfest is held at Phoenixville for their special screenings. And you can see a lot of gorgeous, gorgeous prints online on his webpage. Beautiful stuff. Check it out. He also is a frequent vendor at a lot of cons in the Jersey, I think, Jersey area. So he might even be at Monster Mania coming up. So... Uh, Look for him, and we'll talk. We're looking forward to talking about him. And well, uh, Aaron, so how was our weekend? Our weekend was quite fabulous. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the introduction music were there two different musics that you were playing back to back? Yes, I did. Okay. Now, the first one, when I was sitting here listening to it, because I couldn't identify it, of course I knew the blob when it kicked in. But uh-huh. when I was listening to the first music, I was thinking, that almost sounds like a Skinamax, like, 80s thing. And I was like, is this like the Blair Witches of Breastwick or something? <laughs> well, we are sexy witches, after all. Actually, what that right. is, that's actually a theme that my friend wrote for us for our show. So that's the one-minute version. We made jokes about it sounding like softcore porn before, but you know what? We are sexy witches, and none of us really have an issue with porn. So I love it, and I love that it was, you know, that was a gift from a longtime friend, and he even wrote me a longer version and a one with lyrics. So I played all three of those on the show. So um, maybe I'll play the longer one tonight before we leave the show. Um, but I've got more other music to play, too, with the blob. And I also want to go right into our community calendar here in a minute. But, yeah, we had a really good 4th of July of pretty much doing nothing but watching movies and hanging out. And it was pretty awesome. Uh, my house is really close to uh, fireworks where you get a nice view. So I went and looked at some fireworks because you got to do some of it. But it was and I quiet weekend, and my husband is somewhere probably at Craters of the Moon National Park right now. So uh, he's coming across country with his best friend who's moving back to this area after living in Portland, Oregon. You just missed him, Queenie. 
I really oh. wanted you to meet Alex. I really wanted you to meet my friend Alex. You would have loved him, and he's moving back here to go to school. Oh, so, sorry. I know. It happens. And maybe someday you'll get to meet him. So, you know, maybe you'll come out and come out here someday, or we'll go out there. I would really like to see you someday soon. That would so, be awesome. Mm. Always welcome it would be. In I would Queen. love to see I would love to go to the house of the Queenies, as long as you don't th- yeah. tear my throat out when you change into your wolfy attitude. So, oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, good. My house, house is full of wolfiness. My house is full of wolfiness. It's a wolfy done. Okay. <laughs> so, let's go ahead and go straight into the community calendar because we actually have a lot to talk about. A lot of things happened over the last two weeks. So, I'm going to give go ahead and we're going to start my community calendar music. All right, how am I sounding? Can you hear me over the music okay? Yes, yeah, All right, I how can about you? Just fine. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, so first things first, I want to give a hooray to some friends of mine. Um, their names are Kelly Slagle and Seth Pulaski. Um, they, were, they are owners of Cancel Productions. They did... More, they they put my name on one of their first things. Uh, they did a web series called The Broken Continent, which is a high fantasy web series. It's really awesome. They just did their fe- first feature film, which is called Of Dice and Men, which is a comedy about Dungeons and Dragons, which is pretty cool. And, um, well, they just got officially got a distribution deal. And so now you can buy their, their, their movie on Blu-ray and DVD. So congratulations for distribution, Kelly and Seth. We love when our friends please support independent cinema. Hooray. And, and there's, some, there's some other good news, too. Leonard Nim- we talked to a couple of episodes ago about Leonard Nimoy's son doing a documentary, and he had a fundraiser. Funded, ladies and gentlemen. So we will get that documentary. So that's another happiness. And uh, I do, and I do have a couple updates on last week's uh, crowdsourcing. John, uh, Sean Jones's Camp Killer, which is um, the follow-up to Chainsaw Sally, which was pretty cool. And Chainsaw Sally is a local person on the horror con circuit. Um, they're about a little over halfway to their goal, uh, but they only have four days left. So once again, independent cinema person's guaranteed to produce a film. I, these guys have done it before, and they've done it with class and style, so please check them out. And um, Jason Trost, the last superhero, um, his, uh, who, I love Jason Trost. He was the director of, and the actor in the FP, and uh, Superheroes Must Die. He's my favorite, one of my favorite indie directors out there. Uh, his, so far, he's still got 15 days left, and he's 24% funded. So, Go and if you have a little extra cash, go support some great independent cinema because these guys are all guaranteed to make great stuff once they get their money. So, and once again, congratulations for Dyson Men for getting distribution. Woo-hoo. All right, so um, I've got some DVD picks, and these DVD picks are pretty cool. First of all, um, two years ago, and I think that was all you guys' first. Madness was video nasty. Was that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did the okay. One so video nasty. Okay. So you did the one before and video nasty, but I know you both were on board for video nasty. And um, yeah. what one of the weirdest 
entries on the Video Nasty list has got a Blu-ray release right now. It came out, I think, today, and it's under Arrow. But So that's awesome because Arrow is all over the Video Nasty list. But Contamination, which is this really bizarre movie, uh, it's about these, like, eggy things that, like, pop. And when they pop, they pop your stomach out, too. It was like if someone took, watched Alien and took everything away except for the chest bursting. That's contamination for an hour and a half. It's really cheesy. Don't know why it was banned. I have no idea. But the best thing about it, it has the score by Goblin. And the score by Goblin is always better than the movie they're in. So it's so much fun. It's silly, silly, silly movie. Silly movie. It is. It is. It's completely (laughs) silly. Yeah, you want to talk about it a little bit? No, I mean, it is absolutely funny. I mean, I remember them putting these like one of the eggs in a room they expected it to burst and like she's stuck in a shower and she's like oh god let me out and it's just <laughs> and and you start when you watch all these nasties especially the ones in the 70s era you start to see all the same actors and actresses throughout it so you start to make fun of them like because you're like oh you're that dude from there so you like flew over here and yeah i got you you found these eggs now <laughs> So it ends up being just a hodgepodge. It's just really funny stuff that you... I think I truly went mad when I watched these, really. <laughs> well, I, I, I still... Yeah, and this one is, like, when it compared to some of them, this one's actually pretty mild because it's just, you know, the gore effects are just that. They're gore effects. There's nothing to them. Uh, but uh, I really do think um, it's worth it just for the Goblin score alone to watch this. Up. And, and I've heard, and I haven't seen this transfer, but I heard the Blu-ray looks pretty good. So, and, and so we're going to move on to a completely different genre. One we haven't talked about yet on, on this podcast, ladies, because, well, it's not one that is very popular. And it's the Western, which I love. I love Westerns. Do either one of you like Westerns? Uh, it really depends on what's going on. I'm not really a big fan of westerns. I like a handful. Handful. Well, would it improve the situation if I told you Michael Fassbender is in the one we're about to uh, highlight? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm down <laughs> with Michael Fassbender. Okay, good. Cause uh, also coming out on DVD this week is a movie called Slow West. It stars Michael West. Fassbender, it's a Western about a Scottish man, which is already is awesome, uh, in old America Old West. Awesome, awesome. What do you need to know about that other than that? So uh, that, uh, definitely, I haven't seen it yet, so it's definitely on the top of my Netflix queue right now. And speaking Ooh, of Netflix. I mean, it's on Netflix. Um, yeah, you can get it on DVD. It's not on Instant yet, though. But um, I, ha- I still have my uh, Netflix DVD queue. I haven't given it oh, a <laughs> This is too uh, much, <laughs> you know. Well, um, now, but there is some really good instant stuff on Netflix coming out this week that I wanted to talk about. First of all, we've got Monster High is not releasing one, but two new movies. So if you're into Monster High, uh, it's uh, Scaris and City of Fright. And I reluctantly like that show. Uh, <laughs> uh, my... Um, my 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 daughter likes them quite a bit, and they're growing on me. But I don't love them like I love My Little Pony. But definitely, Monster High is pretty fun, and it's got some cool designs. So definitely, you can get those on instant. They're always worth an instant watch. They're only like usually an hour, an hour and a half. Um, 
And there's also um, House of Cards Season 3 just dropped, which I know there's a huge fan base for this show. And even though it's shot literally up the street from here, I have never seen an episode of House of Cards because I don't watch a lot of television. So I, I really need to remedy that. And I know you yes, guys have you watched do. it. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so um, we got to fix that. But also, there's two more ones. And, and one I was really surprised, Queenie, you didn't know about. But there's a show called Bitten out there right now. And it's teenage. It's really? better than the Teen Wolf. It's a, it's a, a, a werewolf teen show that's doing pretty well. It's been renewed mm-hmm. for a second season, for a third season. And season two just dropped instant. As well as Sexy Witch Show, The Witches of East End also dropped their second season on Instant. So check those things out if you have Netflix. Not much on Amazon this week to recommend, but Hulu signed a contract with Showtime, and they're getting all their old shows, which is like a big deal. And Showtime is launching, starting this week, a new streaming service. So if you want to pay a premium for a premium streaming service, there you go. Showtime and HBO are competing again. So may the best streaming service win, right? So. <clears throat> uh, That's pretty crowd- amazing. Yeah, it is. Uh, we got a crowdsourcing pick. Um, this is actually the one of the week. And um, there's this nice lady in San Diego. Her name is Beth, uh, Acom- uh, if I mess up her name, I'm sorry, a commando or a, a commando, I'm, I'm sorry, Beth, really apologize for that. Um, she's a writer and the blogger for Cinema Junkie at KPBS in San Diego University, which is awesome. Uh, she's also the programmer for the Film Geeks at Digital Cinema, which is a special screening um, thing they do every couple of weeks or so. And their Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaign is to buy a marquee for their special screening, which is awesome. And they're only 500 bucks shy of their goal. And they have five days left. So I think they're going to do it. But I just wanted to throw it out there because they're aw- she's, she's awesome. And usually we pitch about films, but it's kind of nice to see, like, nonprofits get a billboard, nice RT with lights, and be able to, you know, pronounce what movies they're screening. And their screenings, you can go to Facebook, are always fun movies. So um, that's our crowdsourcing number one. And our crowdsourcing number two is Robin Hardy. He is the director of a very important sexy witch film in my life, Wicker Man. He also directed The Wicker Tree, and he wants to make a third film, and it's called Wrath of the Gods. And he has an Indigo campaign to raise some funds for this movie. So, well, well, let's get that man some funds there. Yeah. If it's a trilogy, I want to know how it ends out. (laughs) Right? Me too. I mean, I'm not saying that I like Wicker Tree as much as Wicker Man, not even close, but I did appreciate Wicker Tree. There's some moments in it that are pretty good, and and, and I, I'm totally curious what the third film is going to be like. Of course, it won't have Chris Lee in it, which is kind of sad, because he was in both movies, of course, and Aww. Lord Summerisle was what he said was his favorite role he ever played. And um, and that's a pretty big thing to say, considering he was like in 250 movies. So uh, uh, so wait, so let's give Robin if we have uh, some money to give, and we want to give to a big campaign. Go for Robin Hardy's and the Wrath of the Gods on Indiegogo. 
Uh, we're waiting for Chris Garofalo. He should be calling here in just a few minutes. But while we're waiting, I'm going to go ahead and start talking about fan events, girls. And this is our fan event of the week. We're going to do it in the community calendar here because we're going to talk in depth about Blogfest and San Diego Comic-Con at 10 o'clock with my cousin. Um, there's another big festival that happens this week, and it's in its 14th year. It's called the Bowski Fest. It's a three oh, yeah, two days. Yeah, it's in Kentucky, and it's two days of nothing but intense Lebowski fans dooting it up, drinking white Russians, and just having a great time. A uh, keynote yeah. person this year is Jimmy Dale Gilmore. He's a country folk singer. He's going to be doing a big concert right before they screen the show. On the And then the next day, there's a garden party. Uh, and, of course, because you couldn't do Lebowski without one, a bowling party. <laughs> so... You can either buy the events a la carte or you can go all three days. Uh, it's, it's, it, I've never gone because I'm not, the, like, believe it or not, Lebowski is not my favorite Conan Brothers film. I wouldn't even say it's in my top five favorite Conan Brothers films, but I know people that really, really like that film. So uh, do you have anything else you want to add, ladies, before I bring our guests on? The only thing I truly like about Lebowski, because it's not a particular favorite of mine either, but Jeff Bridges' performance as Lebowski, I mean, just like the dude, is freaking amazing. He's pretty awesome in that movie, I admit. It makes me want to wear a house coat and just lounge around. Yeah, it's the only reason I can watch it multiple times, just because he's so yeah. entertaining to watch. I, I understand why people like Lebowski, and there's some really awesome moments in it, but I've never really loved Coen Brothers' comedies compared to some of his other films. So it's completely my psychosis, because I know there's a lot of people that swear by this film as much as the film we're about to talk about. So ladies, I'm going to bring on our guest, so let's put on the blob thing here, Olan, because you got to bring in some music for this guy, what do you think? All right, so let's get this started. All right, well, my guest tonight is a senior artist for Quilt Faith Studios and one of the go-to artists for most of the special edition posters, like I said, at the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. The Colonial is also home of the Bob Fest, and, uh, which is happening this weekend, and he's graciously come on to talk about it. And it's also his motherfucking birthday. So happy motherfucking birthday, and welcome to the show, Chris Garofalo. Thanks for happy having me. Happy birthday, Thank man. Thanks happy for the birthday, birthday. Man. Thank you. How's your birthday been so far? Pretty good. I had about half a cake to myself, so I got that going for me, which is nice. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about another one of my favorite desserts, the blob. <laughs> when I asked you to come on the show, I had no idea it was your birthday, so I do apologize and extra thank you for coming on the show tonight. I figured what the hell it'll be fun, right? <laughs> oh, well, let's hope so. We're talking about three or four really fun films tonight. So, and. Absolutely, The Blob is one of my favorite movies of all time, yet I've never been The Blob Fest. So please, we're going to go ahead and have you start. The Sexy Witches and I want you to know, want to know all about Blob Fest. So jump right in, sir. Well, Blob Fest has been a, a regular uh, 
tradition for the Colonial Theater, seeing as how, you know, the movie was shown there. And it's just, it's an amazing time for people. Like, people come from all over the country, sometimes all over the world, to, to, to meet up for the weekend and just go nuts over all things vintage theater and blob. And it's just, it's a whole collective of just everything that you'd want to see that weekend. So there's, like, street vendors and there's artists and there's people selling memorabilia costumes, uh, all the all the restaurants have specials, drinks, food, and the whole thing is just a giant celebration of the blob. It's like one big, it's like a birthday party for the blob. And it's uh, it's every year, and it's just, it keeps getting more and more fun as you start to get to know more and more people. And uh, it's just it's just a kind of celebration that's done right. I strongly recommend going out because you'll just feel like you're a part of something that's so much fun. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a blast, honestly, to see so many people come out for such a classic film and they really just celebrated for the whole weekend. I saw on the list one of the one of the uh events which made me smile and laugh is you're having a fire extinguisher parade. And that just makes me laugh. And uh, what is that like? I haven't actually gotten a chance to see that live because of my work schedule's been nuts for for Blobfest. A lot of times I only catch bits and pieces of it. But um what I understand, it's just something that's like, you know, a friend of mine says, you just have to see it to experience it. There's no real way to describe it. Kind of like a really good fireworks display. Like, you can hear about it, but it's never the same, you know, as actually getting to see uh, it. So I'm hoping I get to see it one of these times. I always miss that. You know, I was there for the running out from the uh, Friday night's run out from the theater. A friend of mine was there taking pictures. He took some really good shots. And uh, that is, that's epic. The, the run out is just pretty much all things that, that the blob is in that moment just comes together at one time. That's the thing you definitely want to not skip on at all. You definitely want to catch that experience. I, I like to tell people that if you, that the run out always sells out, always. Like you have to oh, jump yeah. on it if you want to play the run out. But you know, going there, just watching the run out is equally as rewarding. I mean, there's people screaming and running over and falling down or pretending to fall down, and and some people are even reenacting the actual moves of some of the act extras. They know the film that well, uh, you know. Go ahead. Well, you kind of get, get to see it. it, it seeing it is, is equally rewarding. I totally agree with that because you get to kind of revisit, you know, it's like, it's like a timeline jump. You get to see it happening in person just in the context of today's world. So you get the same vibe as what really happened in the film just with now a whole new group of people that are either, you know, have been Blob fans for a little while or just, you know, discovering it for the first time. And everyone gets in on it. And you don't have to – you don't have to have seen it at all. You could have seen it a thousand times, but the run out is the time for everybody to be a part of it and really get that, you know, nostalgia factor down and the reenactment and the fun. And I mean, that's something that either you're in it and it's fun or you're watching it. and It's just as fun. There's, there's never really a, a bad way to experience that either as a spectator or participant. Well, that sounds like something Elizabeth and I might be able to do someday. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Oh. Definitely want to do that. <laughs> I couldn't do it this year because, unfortunately, my husband is across country, and I have to receive him when he arrives. Uh, you know, he's doing this big trek, so it ended up it ended up not being possible this year. But I love staying at the mainstay, which is nearby. And next year, I am booking a room for the mainstay, and I am coming to Bluff West. I don't care what you're playing, even though this year's lineup is fabulous. Last year's yeah, lineup was fantastic. <laughs> 
Yeah, so um, so you had mentioned duties. So what exactly are these duties that you do at BlobFest? Well, I mean, either as a vendor, I've had duties where I've actually set up and, uh, you know, kind of, it's, it's good to kind of do that because what you want to do as, as a person in this position is you want to basically share, you know, bring something to the table. You want to share what you do when there, when there isn't BlobFest. You want to let people know that, you're working with the theater and you cherish it year-round with what you're doing. So for me, it's extra special personally because I feel like it's my duty as a as a surrounding artist and contributor to the theater to make sure that people know that the theater values its artists, surrounding artists and participants. They value their volunteers. They value their creative you know, directors and people in charge of making these movies happen. And they're just very hands-on that way. So it's, it's my job to basically let people know how well they handle that. And the uh, the committees are just very, very welcoming. They want everyone to have fun. So it's kind of like, it's not really a duty so much as I think it's a responsibility for me to to let people know just how important it is, you know, to be in the position to allow them to enjoy what they're enjoying. You know, they may not know how it works on that level, and it's, it's kind of fun to be able to tell them just, just how much you, you know, have a, a hand in it, which is a lot of fun. And I do want to mention, as you mentioned before, you don't just do posters and sell them during Blogfest. You you attend other conventions in the area, and you also oh, yeah. do special edition posters for special edition screenings. My personal favorite you've done recently, sir, was your event Horizon. I was mentioning that to the sexy witches earlier. Um, it's absolutely gorgeous. And um, it, do you have any new posters coming up in the near future that you are going you can share with us right now? Oh, yes, definitely. First of all, the Event Horizon was interesting because um, I didn't know how many people were, were into Event Horizon. I thought, honestly, it was going to be right, like kind of a niche thing. A couple of fans, maybe you know, diehards will pick the poster up. My original print run, because I didn't know how well it was going to be received, was going to be 25 posters. Well, I, I launched the image, and it went bonkers. And I ended up printing 75 of them and selling them in 48 hours, nice. which I'm still, wow. I'm still completely blown away by the fact that that they went that well, but more importantly, that the people, so many people love Event Horizon, as, as they should, but I couldn't believe how many people came out of the woodwork to be a part of that. And I was like, wow, that's, that's yeah. incredible. But I as far as, like, part. colonial posters go go coming up, I just wrapped up Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the screening that was last Friday, which was wonderful. My favorite horror movie of all time, so that was definitely a treat. And um, they're doing an Italian Splatterfest, which is a very, very cool event. It's basically five five movies in a row <laughs> on a Saturday. Can, can, and they're going to announce them can, soon, as soon as they hammer out the list. Gonna, and I'll be doing the can, event can poster for that and selling some T-shirts and, you know, seeing what's going on there. But Splatterfest, I, I, I love I'm not going to say blow your wad, but can you give us a hint? You know what? I wish I knew. I asked them when I was at Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I said, hey, you guys know the list yet because I need to get started on an idea for a poster. And they're basically making sure that they can get the rights and the actual prints in 35 millimeters to the films before they announce it. So they don't want to jinx themselves. Um, there are a couple they considered that were very, you'll be very pleased. Uh, they gave a couple of like general, you know, genre guidelines. I'm like, huh, that could be very cool. But uh, because they haven't basically finalized anything yet, I'm not really at liberty to even do a leak because, you know, I don't even know if it's going to happen. So I can tell you that you're going to be very, very pleased with the direction it's going to go in, if it, if it indeed happens. Well, Last year's lineup was I great. Was, I was confirmed it was going to happen today, but, of course, no lineup. But I was told September 4th is the date for Italian Splatterfest. So if that's true, 
We're going to have our, this show has an episode that's blank the day before. I haven't had it set up for a guest or anything, so I'm going to put that aside for Italian Horror Day right before Splatterfest, if Splatterfest absolutely happens. So please keep us informed, because we all are excited. I went last year, and it was a great time. I had never seen Make Them Die Slowly before, and uh, I actually enjoyed that and held myself together way better on that one than I did Cannibal Holocaust, and I could even rewatch that one, unlike Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, I, like, I actually um, like that better than Cannibal Holocaust. I like, I like, I actually prefer uh, that film over Cannibal Holocaust. And it's a, absolutely. it's a great one. I would do a poster just for that film alone. <laughs> it, it deserves a poster, and it just had a nice release on Blu-ray too, I believe. Yeah. So I'm definitely uh, picking it up. Yeah. So yeah, it's a Cannibal Ferox or Make Them Die Slowly, which once again, yeah. uh, you don't know this, Queenie and myself and Aaron, we all had to, um, one of my madness contest years was Video Nasty. So we all ended up seeing most of the Video Nasty. So we're quite well oh, yeah. versed in our cannibals and Italian horror. Very so, cool. <laughs> yeah. So have you, uh, have you gotten and, to see what, what uh, Severn Films has put out, the Video Nasty's uh DVD trailers of all the comprehensive trailers. It's the biggest collection of trailers and spots on all the video nasties. And they're, no. they're fantastic. Oh, it's really good. I I'm know. definitely going to pick it up. It's so good. I, I, have the, I have the first documentary box set, but I don't have the second one, so I will. Yeah, it is really, really worth it. I picked up uh, the second hmm. volume last year at Chiller Theater in, um, in Jersey, and I was Seven was there representing as usual, and I was like, oh, I need to get the second volume. The first one, I've, I've pretty much worn it out. It's so good. And uh, they're the greatest people, Severn and Vinegar Syndrome. They put out some of the coolest things. That, you know, people say, wouldn't it be great if, you know, I could have something that wasn't going to explode my VCR if I watched it once, you know, instead of a you know, VHS tape that's about to die. And basically, they, they put them out there, and we can enjoy them now in really, really nice format and, uh, and get to kind of fall in love with them all over again. And coming soon, Vinegar Syndrome is having a stream. Is going to have a, a, stream, a, a streaming site just like Groundhouse releasing. So we're looking forward to that. And Shop Factory, of course, they're my two favorite streaming sites right now. So Vinegar Syndrome is going to quickly go to the top of my list when it comes. Yeah, out. they're really but, they're good they're guys awesome. too. They're actually <laughs> some of the coolest guys. We saw them at a Cinema Wasteland in Ohio and went by their table and we were just kind of talking shop and you know I kind of put the idea in their heads and I'm like, hey, if you guys want. Me you come up with a with a title and you need some some Blu ray art or D V D art, I would love to be part of that. So I mean hopefully something <laughs> comes along the way and they can get that done just because they put out some of the best titles and they really take their time making sure that they're released properly. They really care about it. So I mean right. it'd be nice to do something. So you heard that, Vinegar Syndrome. Give give our friend Chris here some work because he deserves it and you guys rock and you would rock together. So speaking of rock, let's talk about for Backrack, shall we? Okay. All right. So now I, when I even talk about Burt Bacharach, I'm talking about, of course, the theme song to the blob, which is the five blobs, and he was the writer on this song, which is one of my favorite songs of all time, by the way. I use it as my ringtone. Nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so let's talk about, it's 9.35, let's talk about the movies at Blockfest. We're just going to talk about the movies themselves, because all these movies have some value. There's only one that I haven't seen, and that's the newest one, which is The Ghastly Love of Johnny X, which I believe is a black and white musical. Am I right about that? It looks, it, I haven't seen it yet either, but it certainly looks that way, and there's some really, really quirky, uh, interesting 
kind of cinematography going on there that makes it kind of look like, you know, a little bit of Sin City mixed with a little bit of Rocky Horror mixed with a little bit of, like, Rock and Roll High School. And I really like the vibe of it, and I'm very interested in seeing it. That's also got a pretty solid cast. I mean, the, the music I like, I like the vibe. It's been on the trailer reel at almost every one of the uh, Colonial screenings. Every time I see it, I kind of pick up something new from it, and it looks it looks like a lot of fun, so I'm definitely interested in at least giving it a spin and seeing what it's about. Cool. And so this weekend, I gave my sexy witches here some homework, and myself and Erin have seen the blob, and we saw... Uh, I saw, and she saw Creature of the Black Lagoon, and I saw also Abbott and Consuelo, and Kalini saw The Blob. So we've all been catching up on our films, and I wanted to talk about The Blob because a lot of people don't get The Blob. They like The Blob. They love the movie, but they don't get it. And what do I mean that they don't get it? And, and you can talk about this, and you girls, this is all a subjective thing, so please interrupt. I want to say right now, I don't think the blob is about communism at all. There. Okay. I don't really, I don't really particularly read into the blob as as being a deeper, deeper meaning than that in such a way that that is. I like the fact that it's it's an idea that was so simplistic but so effective. Since you know, doing what I do, I love when someone comes up with a concept. It's all about ideas here. <laughs> They came up with an idea that was so simple in, in appearance with all the CGI stuff we have now, and you know Peter Jackson's forty trillion dollar Hobbit movies. Here's basically just just a blob. It's all it is, and yet it's so effective. It, it's just it's the easiest thing, but it's also the most effective thing. And uh, I don't think people get that. I think they dismiss it because it's such a simple idea. They don't really kind of think that it has much value in a sense that it's not complex, but the simplicity is the complex, actually, of the movie because it's so simple and so effective. It just kind of creeps on you, like you just you know you're sitting there for a minute, then all of a sudden you see a little, you know, a little bit of it, then the reflection catches it, and like they really didn't know how to react to it. Nobody in the film even knew what to do with it because it wasn't like a monster, and it wasn't a werewolf, it wasn't you know zombies. They really never saw anything like that, so they they kind of had to figure out what it was, where it came from, how to stop it. And no one really knew anything about it, so it was it was simple and mysterious. And I think all those things are important about it as being a benchmark film because they took a simple idea and made it the most effect one of those effective movies, and you know basically a classic out of a simple idea. And I have a lot of respect for that because that's that's not easy to do. I think people don't really get the fact that it's just. A simple movie, but at the same time, it's so much more than that because of the way it was made. Complex idea, simple idea. I would argue well, that the blob is still a creature, though. I mean, it's definitely it's, a creature, but I don't think it's a traditional like monster. Yeah, I wouldn't say monster because it's kind of an alien being or something like just this weird goo. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's still a, it's still a creature feature kind of thing. Like it's even kind of oh. shot like that. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about the shots itself. Um, 
you're Irving Yeaworth, or Shorty Yeaworth, the director. Uh, he and, and the writers have an interesting background. First of all, um, the movie was produced by Valley Forge Studios or Productions, depending on which person you talk to. And they were known for, in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, for shooting inspirational movies. And that's actually what Yeaworth got started in, was making all these religious shorts. But the writers in him also had an even career that goes further back. They worked for the Office of War Information, which is, um, you know, the propaganda arm during the World War II. And a lot of the films they made were propaganda educational movies for World War II. And if you watch the blog, they're using those inspirational shots combined with these propaganda, fear-inspiring angles to make a film. And I think that it make a horror film, and it works, because it plays on our emotions like any political um, film would do. Now, that's why I think a lot of people say that the blog is about communism, because it does have this propaganda vibe to it, but they're missing the point. This was the films that everyone did just to make some money, and they were trying to get their names out. Shorty Yeaworth wanted to make features, and this was his first. Jack Harris, their producer, was his first movie, too. He was a distributor. Jack Harris wrote an amazing book, by the way, before he died, and uh, so read that. Um, and... Uh, you know, and so here we got this film that, you know, everyone, like, looks at it and goes, that's about communism for communism. And are like, no, 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 it's not about communism. And and Queenie and I were talking about this, and Queenie, I want to bring it in, but I told her, and she can disagree with me, I actually think what it's really about, because the monster is never the real monster of these stories. It's always the human. Yep. It's about the apathy and resentment that the greatest generation had towards their kids, the baby boomers at their teenage years. And I really think that's actually what the movie is really about. So, um, Queenie, do you want to, or Aaron, let's throw it out to Aaron. Aaron, do you want to follow up with me on this? Because we talked about this over the weekend. You know, I can completely see that. I really do. Um, I can see the resentment. And it's kind of become a formula now, really. There's always the boy that cried wolf somewhere and the adults that don't believe him. But, uh, you know, the performances themselves and the old-timey, you know, the positions and the staging and the way everything's done, it's just beautiful. And I guess it was really just an original for its time. And this was your first time seeing the blob, was it not? Oh, no. No, I had seen the blob, like I said. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. I, no, no, it's Yeah, because I've seen it, like, seen. as one of those late-night creature features on USA Up All Night and stuff like that. So I had yeah, seen it, but it, it had been at least 15 to 20 years. Same here. Go ahead, Queenie. Oh, just, uh, I was agreeing with her because, uh, for me, too, it's been, like, 15 years since I saw the blob the first time. And so, for me, this was like a recap. <laughs> I watch the blob literally every two years. Uh, I just have to watch the blob every couple of years because it's like, like I said, if I, on my top 10 horror films of all time, it ranks at number seven. Uh, so, uh, and someday, uh, someday I will, I'll relist that top 10 list again. Um, and uh, so what about this theory? You say it's just simplicity, and I agree, because it is a very simple story, and I think that's one of the greatest things about it. But also, I, I like, because it's really early on in the 
um, drag racing era films, like it's way early compared to some of those others. Yet here he is, we have Steve McQueen at 27 playing a 17-year-old. <laughs> and we have our first like real rebel without a cause type character. And, and um, so, uh, you know, and nobody believes him. And, uh, but, but yet he's so enduring in that role. And, and, and as the, you know, as sexy witches, I'll guarantee you, we are fans of Steve McQueen because who isn't? But, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, do you, do you, how do you, I emulate Steve McQueen into my everyday life. Do you emulate Steve McQueen into your everyday life? <laughs> well, for me, he's like, I mean, I'm, I'm not real big on, on characters that, that, that grab a lead role and they make it entirely about themselves, and you know that. He's got this kind of way about just making everything look cool without, like, any kind of effort. Like, if it requires effort, you'd never know it on his part. He just kind of gets it done. And he shows that he's got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of humanity side where he's, you know, not the toughest tough guy. When things are a little, you know, strange or going wrong, he'll he'll admit it. But he's also kind of, like, you know, unwavering at the same time. The guy is just the ultimate, you know, I mean, to me, he's kind of like, my whole thing is, you know, I'm thinking Dirty Harry, Steve McQueen. I'm thinking guys that just get it done, you know, as far as that goes. So, again, like you said, who doesn't like Steve McQueen? Like, it's ultimate badass points no matter what he's in as far as that goes. But the, uh, the era of the, of the drag race and the car, you know, and, and him playing a young role, you know, he captures it perfectly because he never really lost that vibe, that whole, like, sort of, you know, ultimate American rebel vibe where he just kind of – Got himself in this situation and just realized I got to get this done. I got to figure something out. And he never really was went about it egotistically, which would make me probably hate him because some people in movies when they do that in that way, I can't stand them. And he just is a well, cool guy that that, that you want to like. You say that about him, but that's actually exactly what happened with Jack Harrison. Him, they had a huge falling out initially. And wouldn't work with each other ever again after the blob. And then they invited him back, and then something happened, and I think Stephen Queen passed or something. But uh, you know, they they uh, they didn't like each other on the set. He uh, Jack Harris called him difficult. <laughs> so, no, I mean difficult's uh, yeah. a very very uh, it's a very professional word to use. When people say someone's difficult yeah. on the set, it's probably translative to ego or asshole. It's probably either one. So yeah, no, well we weren't there, but I'm sure that's about... went down. You're also right. talking about Jack Harris here, who I don't think his ego is any smaller, if you understand what I'm saying. No, no. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> uh, Definitely not. <laughs> Jack, Harris, yes, Jack Harris was a character, that's for darn sure. Um, you know, yeah. And he remembers things his way. If you listen to his commentary tracks, there's often a historian that comes on and corrects him occasionally. It's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, so, he was uh, also a guy who wanted to do it his own way, so it's completely understandable why they had this book. I happen to be a fan of his one of his worst films called Dinosaurus, and it actually played with the blob for a while. So if you want to see a truly bad dinosaur film, check out Dinosaurus. So, I'm definitely going to check that out. Yes. <laughs> I always um, tell people, please bring me all of your crap that I would want to watch, and I would love to. Yeah, and if, if something's terrible for all the right reasons, I want to know about it. I'd love to watch it. 
uh, one of the things that I love about the blog is that it really is a dichotomy of 1958 in small town Pennsylvania. If you would go there in the time machine, it would look like that. It would feel like that. That's like you go to Phoenixville. Of course, the, the Colonial Theater looks exactly the same. That's deliberate, yes. of course, but, but it, it still, it kind of just immediately brings you back to this retro vibe. And I absolutely adore the costuming, the color use in the movie. Um, the, the, there's, you know, Jane wears these, even though she supposedly hated the yellow dress, she wears these badass yellow 50s dress with these cute black kitten heels in the first half of the movie. And it's just like perfect. And, it, you know, it, it really is a time capsule where a lot of people, a lot of films are romanticized versions of the 50s, like Rebel Without a Cause, for example, is kind of this glossy, like image of what Hollywood thinks the 50s should be. Uh, it really is the 50s. <laughs> it's low budget. It's exactly they're using practical sets. Uh, they, you know, and and almost every facade in that movie was not a facade. It was actually a house <laughs> or a theater, and it, it's brilliant that way. So um, I, I just want to say the art direction is really is is one of the reasons why the film is so appealing for me. And, and yeah, the blog is really good. Uh, yeah, and the blog pushes through the theater with the goo and, and that red, when you realize that, that red is actually the decomposing bodies of its victims, then you start to realize how terrible the blob really is and how great a creature feature this monster is. Can you imagine dying oh. by the blob? It'd be oh. pretty badass, actually. I mean, I'd be cool with it, honestly, because... You get to go along for the ride with everybody else that he got. It's kind of like a collaborative effort. It'd be kind of sweet. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be completely bummed on that. Okay. There's something about having my skin slowly dissolved. I don't think. Yeah, that would... uh, <laughs> I mean, it sounds great, but I don't want that to feel. That's right. in my top ten of ways to die in a monster movie. So I, I would certainly rank it. I mean, it's just just for the legendary status alone of the yeah, I got I got killed by the blob. That'd be awesome. <laughs> my husband won't even watch well, the blob. Well, he's like maybe, fully maybe you'll get your chance and go ahead. I'm sorry, sweetie. Go ahead. Oh, uh, just I was just going on about my husband because he even right now like just us talking about this and he's in the room. He's sitting there cringing. Because he hates the blob. Hates the blob. Or, or the stuff, he can't do the stuff either. Anything that's like an amoebas kind of creature, he's just like, nope, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> oh, I love the stuff. <laughs> I know, the stuff is um, too. Sentient slimes is one of my favorite subjects on anything. You know, uh, uh, I love the blog and uh, the raft that, that from Creep Show. Uh, I, oh, that's, I that's awesome. I actually did an entire... An entire madness. My one of my first theme, I think it was my second themed years of the madness was odious oozes, and it was clearly about sentient slimes like the blob. As a matter of fact, not blob wasn't our uh, mascot film. It was actually its sequel, which was Beware the Blob, because it's directed by Larry Hagman of all people. It's not very good, but you know, it it it, it does like it is a, like they tried to make that one more of a horror movie than than the original. So I used it instead because I love the poster. Uh, so um, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, the, uh, my mom, she told me a story when she was a kid. She's a huge genre geek. That's where I get it from. And um, she said that the blob was so terrifying to everybody that she watched the trailer and could not go see the movie. She said in 58, <laughs> people were terrified of this movie. And we look at it and we see the camp value, but 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 – because it actually, but you know, once again, it is a dichotomy of 1958. So 1958, if you were living at that time period, probably you're connecting to it on a level that we don't do. And, and, and people were terrified of that movie. And it started as the B drive-in. Like, it was the second film in the drive-in. And when you go to the drive-in to the second film, you're not supposed to actually watch the second film. You're supposed to make out during the second film. And supposedly that wasn't happening. Um, so they quickly switched movies, and and then um, it grossed four million dollars in its initial release, and it was only made for like 125 grand. Steve McQueen turned down the back end and only got three thousand bucks. Wow! So oh. yeah, uh, what a bad business move. Oh well, he needed to eat. He needed to buy a car. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. uh, you know, Steve Kiki was always buying cars. So I'm going to bring on Aaron, and we're going to talk about Blockfest for a few more minutes because I also wanted to mention there's actually two more films that uh, people really should go see. And one of them is Creature from the Black Lagoon, which will be playing at 3D. And hello, Aaron. You're on with the Sexy Witches and Chris Garofalo. How are you doing today? Good evening. I'm doing well. Hello, Chris. Hello, Witches. How's it hello. going? So we're going to talk about San Diego Comic-Con with you in just a few minutes. But I thought I'd bring you on a little early because we're going to talk about two quick films. Uh, we're going to talk about Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein and Creature from the Black Lagoon. So um, they're also playing at Blobfest this year. And I rewatched um, Abbott and Costello, which when I was a kid was one of my favorite movies. I used to watch it over and over and over again. And then I watched it again after 15, 20 years and – it didn't quite have the same feeling I did about it as I did before. It, the nostalgia didn't kick in like it should have. And I'm just not sure why. Hmm. Go ahead. It's very quiet. See, um, no. I do want to say Because we're all thinking about it. We're like, huh, I wonder why we're, it is. Hmm, contemplating. I well, I, I don't have... Uh, I have some nostalgia about it, of course, um, because, you know, I watched it during a time frame when I watched a whole lot of USA Up All Night and TNT and TBS late night movies and things of that nature. So it used to show a lot of late night creature features. Um, So I've seen both The Blob, The Old, as well as the remake, which has its own merit. Well, uh I was, you know, I did want to say I geeked out for one moment. There's a moment at the end of the film, and, and Chris, watch this, and I'm sure you ladies, too, when you have a chance. It, at one point, Lon Chaney and Bella Lugosi, which, by the way, this was Bella Lugosi's only second time playing Dracula on film. A lot of people think he was in a bunch of them. He wasn't. It was his second time, and the last time he played Dracula on film. And then you have Lon Chaney, and they're duking it out at the end of this movie in this big grand finale. And just the two of them throwing stuff at each other is bliss. I, I just uh-huh. something about it, it, it just geeked me out big time. Like, I didn't even care about the rest of the film. I could have watched Lon Chaney and Bella Lugosi go at it for two hours with no problem. <laughs> so, 
I mean, you're basically watching two masters of their respective genres just collaborate on screen and just magic. Like, whatever they do, I think everyone probably just stopped and just watched it happen. I'm sure there was nobody saying a word on that set as that was going on. Well, it's it's a crazy thing because you have them fighting, and then you have the Abbott and Costello running around going, Whoa, which, by the way, my niece, my daughter watched it and said that was funny. She liked it when they go, Whoa, right? <laughs> but then you have Glenn Strange playing Frankenstein, and he actually takes a woman and throws her out the window of a castle, and it's like, whoa, that's like the most violent I think Frankenstein has ever been. And I went back and looked, yeah, he's killed people, but usually it's on accident. Or it's in a fight, like a fire spray shot or something. This is the first time I've ever seen Frankenstein actually murder someone. So yeah. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this is the kid's version. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> so, uh, but it was pretty cool. We had a good time with it. And, Aaron, I know you like Creature of the Black Lagoon. I yes, love I Creature did. of the Black Lagoon, I watched too. it for the first time this afternoon, believe it or not. First oh, time. my God. Awesome. I, oh, I'm actually jealous of you that you've seen it for the, you've seen it for the first time. That's so cool. <laughs> I just wanted I to say why did it was very good. I just realized that and welcome to live radio folks, my new sexy witch is named Erin and my co my LA correspondent is also named Erin. <laughs> what am I gonna do That's about the first it? time you're realizing? It's okay, we so both like right? creature yeah. from the last black lagoon. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well good, yeah. yeah my cousin, I know, is a has watched it regularly, and I know that. And Aaron saw it for the first time this week. I, and I will say, unlike I felt the way for um, what's my call it, uh, uh, Abbott Costello, I still loved Creature uh, for the Black Lagoon. It's just so much fun, and and people should watch it over and over again. <laughs> Mostly because of the swimming thing that, and also um, it's the Bed Westmore who's the art, makeup artist for that, and for uh, Abbott Costello meets Frankenstein. So it, it's the beginning of their dynasty and the Westmore family dynasty, which leads all the way down to Face Off on TV, folks, ladies and gentlemen, and Mackenzie Westmore. Uh, it, 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 it's such a great creature feature. And, 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 I just, and so I highly recommend it. And please see it in 3D because the 3D – for Creature of Black Lagoon, I don't. Are they showing it in polarized or are they showing it in red blue at Blancfest? I'm not exactly sure. They just said 3D. I don't know which uh, how they're actually doing it, but uh, I'm very curious about that because, yeah, I want to see which direction they take with it. Well, I'm curious too because a lot of people know uh, in the 80s there was two TV releases of the Creature and Revenge of the Creature, and you could go to your local 7-Eleven and get some red blue glasses. And then you would fix your TV, and you could watch Creature Little Lack Lagoon and Revenge of the Creature in, in red-blue. But the original was actually in polarized 3D like we'd watch nowadays. So I'm really, really curious what the – would you call me back after Blobfest and tell me what kind of 3D they use? Because I'm dying of curiosity. I'm excited that they're playing Creature because that's a timeless monster movie. It is like – it is, a, it is a monster movie that has never had to be modified over the years for any reason. It has always just maintained its integrity of being pretty perfect as a monster movie. Plus, I mean, the, you're right, it's the cinematography and the, the effects that they use to, to capture that vibe is, I mean, for that time there was nothing better as far as, I remember seeing that monster when I was a kid and I was like, that monster is amazing. I don't even know what it is yet. I just know that I need to see whatever <laughs> it's in. I don't care where it comes from, if it's space or the water or whatever, I just need to be a part of it. And since then, I mean, 
It's just been a, it's been a, it's been a go-to. I'm actually gonna eventually show my nephew who just turned four this past month. I'm gonna I'm gonna show him that first because he likes anything in the water to begin with, and I think he'll like it. <laughs> and I also think he's old enough I, to handle. I, he loves monsters. <laughs> Oh, three three years old is definitely fine for Universal Monsters. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's when I first started them. Um, I showed Lily her first one, or the evil genius, at um, the Wolfman at three. That was the first one I showed her, which is my favorite of, of the Universal Monster movies itself. And um, and we watched Creature last night, and she's now five. And, and what I love about it, I was watching her be scared. She didn't even have to watch the movie. She'd be doing something, and then the song would come off, da, 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 and she would just die in the covers. Didn't matter what it was, yeah. what oh, she yeah. was doing, or she was even watching the film. She just knew that the creature was there, and she dived in their covers and hid, and it was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of fun to watch. So, um, well, it's almost 10 o'clock, and I'm going to have to give the microphones over to my sexy witches and to Aaron. But, Chris, first of all, thank you again for coming on the show. You were wonderful. Oh, and I, I was told that this is your podcast, Cherry, we're popping. So thank you well, again on your birthday to my come out podcast, and do Cherry, this. Yes, my video podcast. Now, I've actually done a video podcast before based on posters, but I've never done, like, a radio-style podcast. So this is the first time I'm doing this well, style. Well, would you please come back on maybe in early September if we're doing Italian Spotify uh, Fest? Because I'm oh, definitely sure. going to try to make it this year. And I know Jamie Absolutely. Harris, and then invite him to be on that episode as well because he is the leading authority in Italian horror uh, in nice. my world. So, um, so please, thank you again for coming. Any final words about Blog Fest you want to mention or your own work? Please, please plug Quiltface Studios before you head out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just want to tell everyone that that's an event that if you really want some nostalgia and fun that's guaranteed, really go and experience everything. Like, go walk around, go, you know, see what, what all the vendors have and what all the uh, the people who are involved have to offer. And uh, certainly, you know, get in the mix. It's, it's a lot of fun. And as far as, you know, the Colonial itself, come up to the theater to see some screenings. You're going to see a lot of really awesome films in their original format, 35mm. There's usually going to be posters, whether it's myself or five of the other artists there, and we love seeing people come out. So definitely come out and hang out with us and nerd out over some classic movies and uh, just have fun. Well, thank you so much. Happy birthday again. Thank you very much. Um, what about your poster studio? Is Quiltface Studio, where can we find you on the web? You can find me on Twitter, uh, QFS Chris, uh, uh, and also on Instagram by the same name. And uh, you can also check out my store, which is quiltfacestudios.storeenvy.com. A lot of the posters end up being there after the screenings or after the conventions. And um, easy to get in contact with me through any of those sites. If you have any questions or you know anything you'd like to know, I'm always around and would love to hear from everybody. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. And Sexy Witches, we're going to send you off to the blog fest. Do not get trampled on the run. Please send us <laughs> pictures if you have any. I would love to see what you do, and I believe you're also going to be at Monster Mania. Is that yes. right? That is correct. So I'll be at Monster Mania to... at the end of the month. I'll be, so uh, go to Cherry Hill, New Jersey, meet him in person. So, oh, yeah. Feel free to come uh, by and, and say hi, and we'll, we'll talk and have a good time. And it's a, it's a blast. The show's amazing. Well, we love you, dear. I will see you soon, and enjoy your weekend, because I know you will. So have a sweet Thank you very have much. Have a great Thanks time. Thank awesome. you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.
That was Chris Garofalo of Quilt Face Studios. And I wanted to thank him for coming on the show today. Uh, it was a wonderful conversation, and I love when people come on and talk about things they're very passionate about. Speaking of passion, hello, my sir. I don't have any music for you, any Star Wars music for you today, so I'll just play the Madness theme, which is my um, favorite thing right now. So, oh my, let's do it. Madness works. <laughs> Important. Groundbreaking. You know, it's true. Even more darkness. Uh, you know, oh. speaking of Star Wars news today, we heard that the directors of the Lego movie are going to be doing the Han Solo spin-off Star Wars movie. Yeah, oh. so actually this works. You're right. Uh-huh. Everything is you. Han Solo awesome. <laughs> and the real question is who the fuck is going to get to play him I mean everyone's yelling Chris Pratt but honestly I don't want him to play him because he's already played Star Wars I wouldn't mind him playing Indy I think he could do job, the job in Indiana Jones but uh, I don't actually figure out who I would want to play Han Solo that's hot right now ladies do you have any ideas I could see Neil Patrick Harris pulling it off if he could grow up a little bit Maybe. He's got, he's got maybe. that kind of sassy. I love him. I love Neil Patrick's but Can I give you a really out there suggestion? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, really off the wall. Um, sure. The gentleman who played Loki, is that Tom Hardy? Ooh, that Tom Hiddleston. That's Tom Hiddleston, yeah. yes. Hiddleston, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston, Hiddleston. Cool. Yeah. Tom cool. Hiddleston, Han Solo. What do you think? Not bad, not bad. You know, he was originally originally um, reading for the role of Thor. And if he could have pulled off Thor, I think he can pull off Han Solo. He's, he's got the smirking quality down just perfectly. He has a good smirk. You know, I could see him in the fedora all of a sudden. And he would be kind of cute with the fedora. So, <laughs> also, I have to... You sound so much like you're tall. It's uncanny. Cool down here. I'm all, I'm all confused. Well, I random dance TV. party. Oh, a dance party. Oh well, I can. I, I oh no, I don't have any dance music. All I have is a uh, core porn music. You don't have so, Mad Monster Party. Monster Go Go? No. Oh they man, you're gonna have to rip those. I, I, no, I have a lot of songs I could put on here, but I didn't upload any this week because I'm lame. I wanted to make sure I had the theme to the blob on, and that got on here. So we can always swing, we just can't dance. Uh, so, uh, so, so um, uh, I have to think about my choice for Han Solo because I haven't figured it out yet. Uh, but so, but you're not here to talk about the no, no. Rogue One at San Diego Comic Con because mm-hmm. you know, there's not many movies this year, and everyone's afraid of Star Wars. And uh, so, please, <laughs> let, why don't you talk about your weekend coming up and what you're expecting to see, and what is the highlights of this year's San Diego Comic Con, inside and outside, please. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, first off, I should tell you, there will be Star Wars movie news, 
you just have to wait till August when Disney's D23 Expo takes place. Uh, Disney purchased, as you know, Marvel purchased Star Wars, and they're kind of keeping them all to themselves with their own big expo. Uh, Disney had gone down to San Diego, to the San Diego International Comic Con. They had a booth, and they scoped it out, saw how it worked, and then they did their own. And now the Disney D23 Expo, which this year takes place in August, uh, it's done every other year, every three years, is everything Disney and now Star Wars and Marvel as well, for the most part. Uh, As far as this year's San Diego International Comic Con, there is so much I'm looking forward to. In the horror department, the big one, of course, is Crimson Peak. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. uh, From what Tom Hiddleston again? Yes, indeed, Tom Hiddleston again. From what little they teased us with at last year's Comic Con, this just looks amazing. It's just gothic and big and romantic and scary Aww. and uh I, I he Guillermo did one of my favorite horror films. As as you know, I am not the big horror aficionado like you all are, like my wife is, uh, especially with Hammer Horror. She's a huge fan. But I adored The Devil's Backbone and I adored Pan's Labyrinth and um oh gosh, what was the, the vampire thing set in Mexico? Uh, his first one. Oh, Loved Kronos. That. Kronos is Kronos. fabulous. Movie. I love Kronos. Oh. Low, one of my oh. absolute favorite low budgets of all time. So, you know, oh. TDT can do no wrong in my, my eyes. The only problem, if, if I had one criticism with him, it would be where the hell is my Haunted Mansion movie? Because that's it's been coming. in limbo for... Coming. It's coming, but now it doesn't look like he's going to direct. He's just going to produce. Uh, well, it, well, we'll see, but it, it still say it's coming, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed, you know? Uh, oh. I, the only thing I can say I'm mad about is that he left The Hobbit, and that pisses me off because look at the mm. movie he got. But yeah. other than that, he can do no wrong. <laughs> so, um, well, he, he wisely I, got out of The Hobbit. <laughs> I still would like to have seen his drawings for Smog. You know, he did a full layout for him. And oh, yeah. uh, they've not surfaced yet. So. Yeah, I wasn't too fond of uh, the first two Hobbit films, and I haven't even seen the third yet. So that's how much my Sorry. interest went there. But don't. um as just don't. Yeah, so that oh that's a pity. That's a pity. A lot of good this people are in there. But, yeah. I am a diehard Tolkiener from the beginning. That's where I get my geekery from and no. Yeah. I guess that's my <laughs> so, point too. Why why would you read as perfect a novel as The Hobbit and say that's good, but I'd like to do this to it? I, I, I just don't but, understand but, that. Especially witches though may disagree with us on that. Ah, uh, hmm. yes. Actually, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's why I Sim- Simply because Tolkien, even though he tells an okay story, it's very dry and it lacks visualism <sighs> so much. For me. It, it was, even though it is less than 300 pages, it's like, what, something 257 maybe? Something well, like sure, that. Well, sure, if you're not reading the, uh, the uh, 
the unexpurgated with all the footnotes and everything that makes it twice as long. Which I have, I... by the way. <laughs> I it took me like four months to read it when that should take like half a day because oh it gosh, was just excruciating to get through. Wow. Now the movies, however, because I do have a strong appreciation for the story itself. It's just oh the writing. He just he was a linguist and he had a good idea, but he might have should have hired a ghostwriter. <laughs> well, didn't his wife <laughs> write a lot of The Hobbit? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Sorry. See, I I I liked his Lord of the Rings. I I you know I, oh. I'm a big fan of the books, but I liked his Lord of the Rings. I didn't like his Hobbit. Oh, well, same here. But I will say, Aaron, I'm not going to get into it with you about this. We'll have to talk about this another time. You're only right about <laughs> one of his books that way, and that is the Cimmerillion, which reads like a textbook. And so that one is dry. But oh my god! Yeah. Oh. Yeah, this- anyway. <laughs> the Cimmerillion's a history it. book. You're absolutely right. And they're going to apparently try to make a movie out of it. I uh, hope not. I actually would not want that. Um, That's the buzz. That, well, I hate that buzz. But speaking <laughs> of buzz, please continue on your on your San Diego Comic-Con journey. What else of do course. you have? So we... Well, there's a ton of stuff happening outside the park again this year. Um, Nerdist HQ. um I'm sorry, outside the con. I did say outside the park. Um, But outside the con, lots of stuff going on. Um, David Hasselhoff is promoting the next Sharknado, so there's going to be a Hoff concert, and you know how much I love me some Hoff. So I'll be there for sure. Um, Let's see, there's a whole bunch of zombie things going on. Uh, There's actually a, a Walker con going on either at the same time as Comic-Con in a separate location or really close to the time with a couple of the stars of The Walking Dead. Um, there's a paintball zombie thing, and then there's a, a zombie tag, I guess you'd call it, that takes place at Petco Park, the big stadium right there. Um, Adult Swim has a huge presence right behind the convention center. Uh, one of the nights we're all going to be getting together to uh, do a, a vigil, a morning for um, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, uh, which Aww. is going off the oh. air. That'll be fun. Oh, and and nice. uh, speaking of, keep, keeping in with the horror theme, uh, apparently there's going to be a uh, sort of crowd event for Hannibal, which unfortunately this week um, got turned down by Yahoo and by Netflix for continuing. But, and Amazon. Um, and Amazon, on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. It's, but um, I saw on left. Twitter that Brian Fuller is fully behind continuing it. So fingers crossed. Um, there is going to be, as I said, and, out and of it. And Hulu is still Hulu's not out of it. They're still in negotiation. So we still got one um, left. So fingers we'll crossed. Fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. But uh, apparently you can either bring your own crown of flowers or go by uh, one of the rooms and they'll make one for you, and they're going to have a little event at the uh, Hannibal panel at Comic-Con. And um, I guess when you're talking Comic-Con, for me the important things are the panels, the merchandise, and the swag. And uh, the swag, you, you rarely know what you're going to get, 
Um, it, swag can be anything from a T-shirt to buttons to pins to all manner of silliness. And um, it, just like at uh, at Mardi Gras, they're usually cheap and, and worthless, but, man, we nerds just crowd like piranha for hungry meat when they start throwing those beads at us. It's ridiculous. Um, uh, let's see, for uh, this year, I know Adult Swim and KFC have teamed up. Uh, there are going to be uh, representations of the Colonel that are going to be Wi-Fi hotspots throughout the downtown area. But the Colonel is going to be, if, let me see, going to be a little anime chick uh, he's going to be a werewolf. He's going to be a, a centaur. And uh, if you take your picture with one of these statues of the colonel as one of these fantastical creatures and tag it, you can win an Adult Swim t-shirt. So that's some of the silliness that will be going on. Uh, adult it's like swim, an adult scavenger hunt. Oh, God, it's so true. And there are so many of them throughout the year. We have raced around the gas lamp district in downtown just to get our silly little trinkets or get passes to movies. Um, Elijah Wood has a new film coming out that's apparently a horror comedy involving kid zombies and teachers, I think. So, uh, yeah, we're going to run around and try and get passes to go see that. Uh, Vikings, uh, the the show on the History Channel, uh, they're going to have a Viking ship on the bay that you can go in and if you, you go in and do a little experience, you get a plastic Viking drinking horn with the logo of the show on it. So got to do that. Silliness. And uh, let's see, there's going to be a Rick and Morty panel. Uh, Can't wait for that. That's one of my absolute favorite wrongest shows. And my, my absolute favorite wrongest uh, show is of course, Archer. And last year I missed the Archer panel but I'm so down for this year's Archer panel. Uh, Queenie is a yeah. huge fan of Archer. Like, huge. huge. Like, seriously. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's so the best thing on TV. The wrongest thing, but the best thing on TV. And the panels are tremendous. Lots and lots and lots of fun. Oh, Do you want to call in on our Archer show in August? We are doing one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll send you the whole show a pick. That may, oh. may have been my inspiration. <laughs> Two of my prized collectibles from Comic-Con, uh, Bill Sinkowitz did uh, wraparound art for, I think it was season two of uh, Venture Brothers, and he did something really silly for Archer 2. And, and this year, uh, there's an Archer head pillow that you can get from Entertainment Earth. There's also Pam's little squeaky dolphin uh, hand puppet that you can get as a keychain. My favorite is the the talking Pam figure who says, holy shit, snacks. Oh, my God. And like I say... You got the talking Pam doll. It's like, oh, I'm so jealous of you. I love the, the... Dolphin's keychain. That was awesome. <laughs> it's oh, pretty cool. Yeah. This year, I'm seriously, seriously considering dropping sixty bucks on the talking George R. R. Martin figure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I what just, does he say? 
I, I don't know, but he recorded things exclusive for it, and you get his signature on a little card with it. He probably says something like, who's your favorite character? Good. That kind of thing, you know. I was like, prepared to be disappointed. That's what he probably said. <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, a grumpy cat of fantasy you. writers, isn't he? So he is. And then, okay. oh, and go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, and, and of course, there's tons of uh, the Force Awakens merchandise coming out. Uh, I'm a collector of Gentle Giants big figs of Star Wars, and this year uh, they had the uh, the animated droids C-3PO, and they're uh, at the Star Wars celebration just passed, and then at Comic Con you'll be able to purchase the uh, R2-D2 that matches it. Also, and this is, you have no idea how this is tearing me up inside. This year they're going to have the Boba Fett giant action fig with the missile firing backpack. And I'm usually a mint and package guy, but if he fires a missile, man, I I might have to take him out of the plastic. Buy two. That's what I do with Willie. I buy two. I buy Funko Pops. I, we collect together. I often buy two so she can open one. Well, they're $108. And, okay, uh, well, maybe not. Wow. And <laughs> no. it's actually <laughs> questionable whether I'll be able to purchase one. Uh, a lot of this, most of this stuff is limited edition uh, and exclusive oh. to the convention and just impossible to pick up. Yeah, and, of course, the reason thing. for that is... What's that? There's so many fucking people. I was going to say the one thing I would want, and that's because there's so many fucking people, but uh, there's one Funko Pop that I would love, and I know I'm not going to get because it's just going to be impossible. Even though you got me the glow in the dark Olaf last year. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> uh, I, oh, you're so you know, welcome. Uh, but um, it's, it's the, the Jaws 40th Anniversary Edition Funko Pop Eating Quint. That is pretty bitching. I have to agree with you. Yeah, it, it's going to be hard. The line around Funko is always just ridiculous. Unfortunately, they have not yet moved to the system that most of the other uh, people on the floor have done, where they hand out tickets upstairs in the sale pavilion, and instead of you know wasting your day uh, trying to get into the booth, you can waste your morning trying to get a ticket, and then you know whether or not you'll be able to buy that day. But, yeah, well, that's that, the, <laughs> Funko is going to be pretty impossible. Uh, my Little Pony the past couple of years has become redonkulous. Uh, Mattel oh, yeah. has uh, their their Monster Monster High line, and, and the uh, rush for the Monster High dolls is always ridiculous as well. Um, yeah, it, the exclusives, there are so many people there, and, and I use the term people loosely here because we're talking about resellers. There are people coming from their little comic book shops and their little resellers, and they're just buying stuff to sell it for double. And that kind of gets in the way of the fans, and that's kind of annoying, but it's what drives the market, so what can you do? Funko is also extremely extremely slow at getting their stuff out. 
um, which is another yep. issue I have with them because they outgrew themselves pretty quickly. And I really wish they would get faster because one of my favorite things is the minis, the horror minis, and sometimes they can be out for months on the horror minis. And it's like, I really want to spend money. I want to give you my money. I can't give you my money because you're slow. <laughs> so, but anyway. Marvel Comics did uh, some covers uh, a few months back with these kind of highly caricatured uh, heroes and heroines, and now there's a pin series they're doing based on it. So all my Disney and Marvel pin-collecting friends are going nuts asking me if I can pick up for them. But apparently, in addition to the stuff that's going to be available everywhere, there's going to be Comic-Con exclusives like a little mini Sergeant Fury, Nick Fury, and Lanyard to match that's only going to be available at Comic-Con. Uh, there's a little oh. mini Ultron that's only available at Comic-Con, that kind of thing. Nice. Um, I, we're about to hit the five-minute mark here, and I, I want to just talk real quick. What is the hottest panels in H this year? I'm sorry? What's... The hottest panel, the hottest panels in, hot, in Exhibit Hall H this year. What, uh, do you, what's the buzz this year? Uh, Hall H uh, once again is uh, going to be devoted to Game of Thrones. Uh, that will be definitely uh, a big draw. Um, Marvel doesn't have a presence this year. They they said they don't have anything coming out soon, but that that's not really the case. They, they've got Ant-Man no. coming out very shortly here. But like I said, that's I think right. they're saving most of their stuff for D23. Um, I've heard a lot of people talking about DC, uh, most especially uh, Superman versus Batman Dawn of Justice. A lot of people excited for that. Stephanie Richards, do you I... have any questions? Go ahead. I was going to say, um, and in the time it took me to say it, you know how many medications I'm on. I've lost my track of my memory. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was the one before uh, Batman versus Superman, there's no Marvel, and the big one was Game of Thrones. Do you think they will address um, the Jon Snow issue? I doubt it sincerely, although... Man, Buzz Online is getting just hotter than a pistol on that. But, yeah, it's getting um, to the point where they're going to have to address it in some fashion. A couple it's years back, um, it really isn't. no, it isn't. No, it isn't. And I've heard uh, online from different cast members completely opposing views on what's going on with Jon Snow. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, a couple years back, Peter Dinklage was on the uh, Entertainment Weekly boat and they were doing a party and he decided to jump into the bay <laughs> completely closed, you know, because he could. Um, <laughs> it's it's all kinds of fun little interactions like that that keep me coming back to Comic-Con because you never know what the hell's waiting around the next corner. Literally, oh, yeah. you Especially don't know who you're going to bump into. With Peter Dinklage would be a good one. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> I also want to say, and this is Queenie and I both would completely agree because she's a customer too. So all this great stuff going on and there's places to spend money and get swag, but honestly the best part of Comic-Con 
is people like yourself and the and cosplayers. The best part of Comic Con is the people that attend, and not and you can have a perfectly good time just looking at people and taking pictures and not spend right. time or at least control your money at Comic Con mm-hmm. if you can do it. That's so, so. true. If you're not taking time while you're waiting in one of the millions of lines that you're in to talk to the people next to you, then you're really missing out on the Comic-Con experience. Uh, oh, yeah. A lot of people call it uh, Nerd Mardi Gras or Nerd Prom or what have you. Um, it, there's a very collegiate attitude at Comic-Con. It, it's not as much so in the past few years, but it's still there. Um, you know, if you're stuck in line for something, uh, like say the Adventure Time panel, then the people around you are also huge Adventure Time geeks, and they have their opinions, they have their favorite characters, they have their their theories about what's going on and where the show is going, and you're a fool if you're not talking to them and and enjoying all of that. And it was renewed for a new season, so we'll have definitely another lot to talk about when it comes to Adventure Time. Hooray, that was announced today. Uh, But thank you, sir, for anything you want to add, because it's time to go, unfortunately. But what do you want to – any last parting words before I let you go and I sign off with my Sexy Witches? No, thanks very much, Sexy Witches. Uh, Great time as always here, and I'll talk to you post-con. All right, um, just real quick, uh, you, you will see you in two weeks, and you're going to come back on the show on our big convention follow-up episode and uh, talk about your experience and hopefully post some photos. So we'll see Absolutely. you in two weeks. Excellent, and, thank you. Um, and, um, it sounds like you're for Archer as well. Excellent, and I'll be uh, live-tweeting news if you want to follow me at uh, Aaron Sama 1313 I'll be posting uh, news and updates from the panels. And I will post your Twitter account on my fa- on the Archivist on Sexy, which is Facebook page, and I'll tweet it as well. Thank you, Sir Aaron, my cousin, for always coming on. It's always a pleasure. See you in two weeks. Thanks, cuz. Have a good night. Good night. Well, that was great, Sexy Witches. We had two really fabulous guests on the show tonight. And... Thank you, ladies, for coming. Do you have any? You have about a minute. Any quick follow-ups you want to plug or talk about before we go? Um, not really. I mean, I'm going to be going to Gen Con at the end of the month, but I can talk about it then. So okay, like, we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll do that during our convention show in two weeks. Yeah. Yep, in two weeks we're going to have a bunch of people on talking about conventions, and we're going to preview Scares That Cares convention, Gen Con, and Monster Mania. Uh, and we're also going to talk Madness because that's Madness Preview Week, which is one of my favorite weeks of the year where I introduce people to the Madness and see if they want to play this October. I want to thank Chris Garofalo again for coming on the show and talking about Blogfest and his art. Please check out Quote Face Studios. He's got beautiful stuff. And once again, thank you, Aaron, and thank you, Queenie, the Sexy Witches, for coming on. Thank you, everybody. Have a good evening. Always. Blessed be and good will hunt, good film hunting. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>